This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. Missouri's farmer market nutrition programs are getting back in the swing of things. We take some time to learn about the state horse of Missouri, the Missouri Foxtrotter, and the Missouri Foxtrotting Horse Breed Association. And the official start of summer is right around the corner. We talk with the National Weather Service to give you tips about how you should handle the heat. But first, plastics have been somewhat of a double-edged sword. While plastic products have benefited society, it is also harmful to the environment since it is not biodegradable. A team at Washington University in St. Louis is looking to tackle the plastic waste problem. Associate Professor of Energy, Environmental, and Chemical Engineering Marcus Faustin joins Marshall Griffin to discuss their goals. I guess give us a little bit of the history of plastics and how it started out to be uh, something that looked like it was going to be a big problem solver, a, a great, uh, a great asset uh, for for industry and and different and different companies to have, and how it turned into a problem in a lot of ways. Right, right. Well, um, so this is a really interesting story. You know, around the turn of the the, the, the century, um, we get we we became really good. Um, um, we started develop industries that relied on petroleum uh, pri- primarily as, as a, a fuel source. Um, and, but there's a lot of components that come out of uh, the petroleum that we don't actually use uh, for fuel. Um, it's not used in, in refined gasoline. And so we have these leftover fractions from you know, the, the, the production of fuel. And we had, around the same time, a lot of really great um, organic chemists working on ways in which um, we could potentially utilize some of these leftover fractions of oils. And one of the um, um, advances that was made was being able to take some of these materials um, and um, do what we call polymerization. So take a small molecule um, and then um, polymerize it into a larger polymer. So, um, so the material is... Um, made into a long chain, essentially, right? Um, and the, these long chains tend to kind of stick together, and they have very different properties than, let's say, they would have in their small molecule form. Um, and so that's beginning to think about how we start to use these organic materials to make, uh, or organic uh, fractions that are coming out of the petroleum to make materials that mimic a lot of natural materials that we might see, just like silk or wool. You know, so originally most of the materials that we're using, um, um, you know, non-inorganic materials are coming from nature. So our ability to be able to make those materials from petroleum begin to really um, open up a large number of applications. And so the combination of kind of like the unparalleled properties and tunability that you can get from these kind of polymeric plastic materials and their low cost have made them a workhorse of modern economy. Along with that came the uh, realization that uh, once plastics are uh, no longer used and thrown out, uh, they pretty much stay that way. They, d- they don't biodegrade back into the environment, and it's uh, become a, a major source of pollution, I guess. Uh, so when did the, that become a realization, and what has been done so far among governments and uh, companies to, to realize that that's a problem that needs to be solved? A lot like many technologies, um, you know, there's a learning curve that's associated with not only how do we make them and process them, but then how do we then understand their application and then how they get used by society. So there's a sociological kind of aspect here, right? In theory, we could recycle all of our plastics and not necessarily be um, an environmental problem. 
but that's really tough to 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 expect people to do. And so, um, you know, early adopters of these materials probably didn't really think about the end consequences in the environment. And in fact, some of the properties, like it not being biodegradable, were often probably thought of as an advantage, right? Um, and so, but now as we've gone through, you know. We've we've gone over uh, you know a half a half century of really heavy use of plastic materials. We've seen their use increase about 20 fold since you know we started really started to use um, uh, a plastics that is likely to double in the next 20 years or so. Um, so that means plastic everyone uses it. You know it's it's essentially everywhere. And it's in everyday um, um, applications, you know, everything from plastics, um, um, plastic packaging in particular, which is a really heavy use. Um, and so these materials don't degrade in nature. Um, and, you know, if we think about, um, you know, our plastic collection systems, you know, something like a staggering 30 to 40 percent of the plastic packaging, at least, not all the other types of plastics, but just the plastic packaging, which is one of the most common forms or applications of plastics, those escape our typical collection uh, system. So they don't get they don't get recycled and they don't get um, put into a landfill. You can imagine plastics not necessarily being a huge, huge issue if you could collect it all in a leaf, put it into a plant a, a landfill and lock it away in some form or fashion. Um, because it doesn't degrade um, kind of chemically, you would think you might be able to lock that away. But these, you know, this amount of 30 to 40 percent of plastic um, that escapes becomes a really big problem in our natural system. So in our oceans, um, in our soils, and even in some of our like urban infrastructure, this becomes problematic. And moreover, you can imagine that you know, we put a lot of effort into getting this um, carbon out of the ground, processing it, and so we're um, we're wasting, you know, in a particularly single-use plastics, you know, we're wasting something like a hundred billion dollars um, annually of very valuable um, carbon and chemical potential energy um, that could, in theory, be used to to for other applications. And so, between the value loss and the impact on the environment. Um, United States governments, the world governments are really starting to think about how we rethink our um, our plastics, how we make the plastics, the types of plastics that we use, um, essentially the plastic economy. And this sounds like an incredible statement. This is um, the, the quote attributed to you from an article from another uh, news outlet. We are on track to have more plastic than fish in the oceans by 2050. How, how is that possible? Well, so, you know, right now we're producing something like 300 um, megatons of plastics. But as I say, by the year 2050, that, that, that number is likely to go up to 1,000 megatons. Um, that means we'll be uh, using about 20% of the oil, uh, you know, the world's global oil consumption will be dedicated to plastics versus about 6% now. We'll see about the amount of the carbon budget dedicated to the production um, of plastics go up to about 15% compared to one. So the increasing amount of plastics, considering like no change in the way we operate right now, no change in technology, no change in behavior, means we're just going to end up using a lot more plastics. Right now, 
it's about a one to five ratio of plastic in the ocean to fish. And so with that increase of overall production and consumption, the expectation is that by year 2050, without any change in our behavior and technologies, that we'll have something like a one-to-one ratio of plastics to fish. You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin. We're speaking with Marcus Faustin, Associate Professor of Chemical Engineering at Washington University. So it seems like uh, the, the better option is, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be possible to stop making plastics, but to make uh, better plastic or plastic that uh, is somehow biodegradable and from what uh, we understand, that's something that uh, you and a team of people at WashU is, are currently working on. Is that uh, fill us in on that? The question is then, how do we make it more economic for um, the plastics to be recycled? Um, and so, a lot of technologies are thinking about how do we take plastics, um, mix plastics, and then upcycle those. So it's not just about recycling, but then upcycling and producing more undesirable products from that those plastic waste. So there's a lot of activity in thinking about how we do polymer deconstruction, um, reconstruction, and functionalization. But our approach takes a slightly different stance. It returns to this idea that nature um, is really, really good at making materials that we've been able to use uh, for a variety of different um, purposes, um, man, that is, been able to use for a variety of different purposes for a really, really long time, right? So we go back to the applications of silk. Uh, we start thinking about wool, right? All of these types of natural fibers, natural materials that we were utilizing before um, the discovery of, of petroleum and then polymer science. The question is, can we t- can we take the types of w- the ways in which nature makes uh, materials? can we start to engineer that, right? You know, silk for a worm or or for a um, a spider has really extraordinary properties. But nature evolved those materials specifically for the biological functions that a silk worm or a spider might use them for. It didn't necessarily um, um, design them for man for whatever applications that we have. And so the question is, can we understand the things about silk? Can we understand the ways in which uh, we can maybe biomanufacture those on large scales? And then, can we redesign the silk? Can we think about the ways in which we can change the amino acid sequences such that we are redesigning the material so that it has really well-designed properties uh, for our applications? And one of those applications or one of those properties could be in, in, um, a specific type of biodegradability, um, it could be high strength. Um, it could be biocompatibility. And so it really opens up the types of potential applications um, that we could make from um, a renewable carbon um, instead of from petroleum-based carbon. And that was Marcus Boston, Associate Professor of Chemical Engineering at Washington University. If you're tuning in late or want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.